get the task in this series of foundation to talk to you about faith and faith alone. And you would think as a pastor that this is easy, right? Talking about faith is easy. And I'll tell you, you guys have just messed me up on like every front. Every time I get to preach something in this room with this community, it feels like it takes on new levels of depth and meaning and... Um, this has been a good week just exploring what faith really means. And faith seems like it's simple, like George Michael makes it seem simple. It, it should be. But it's really complex. And you get, to, you get to even like when Jesus was walking this earth. The idea of faith as we understand it was, was not widespread. Religions didn't have faith. They had sacrifice. They had ritual. Judaism had faith, but it was Judaism alone. And so in the Greco-Roman world, there were tons of gods, but there was not faith in those gods. There was just duty to those gods, and that blurs the lines. And so worship gets real blurred from Jesus' time until now. And just what faith and what faith alone looks like and what it really means. So we're going to try to unpack that this morning, I'm going to invite you into my mind a little bit. It's a little dangerous in here, but hopefully we, we can make some sense of it. So a part of faith is knowledge, right? But knowledge isn't, isn't it. Knowledge alone is not, is not it. You, you might know that the Bible says that Jesus is Lord, but that doesn't mean that you have faith in that. You just know that it says that. And, and God doesn't say that knowledge, through knowledge we're saved. doesn't say that. It says that through faith we're saved. So it's important that we know what faith is. So knowledge is just knowledge. It's the beginning. We need it. God gives us knowledge. And, and after knowledge is, is assent, right? Like, okay, the scripture says this, and, and sure, I agree with it. It's kind of the next step there. Kind of one of the ways that I, I think of assent is, is like, People here acknowledge people on the street more than where I grew up. When you pass somebody in the north, you're so cold that you don't do anything. You kind of walk like this, and if you pass someone, you might go like, ah, and that's the most you're going to get. And you just waddle your way to your next space. Your face is usually down because you're getting windburn. And all that. And I'm talking about August. Like, that's just what weather's like up there. And so you come to the, an idea like all humans are, are made in the image of God. And basic dignity things. I came down here and like, oh, okay. I'm going to practice this in the way that I even just pass one another. And you see it. Someone's coming down the street. And some people just look and pretend they didn't see, right? They know. But they pretend that person isn't there and pretend the person isn't really a human. And you've, you've probably done that. You've probably had that happen to you. And then there's the moment of ascent. And this is what's really interesting. And I overly study everything. And I'm always certain that I do everything wrong. So I think too much about it. So you see someone a block away. And this is what my mind does. This is what my mind did this morning on the way here. I'm carrying that big box of things, looking super awkward, because that's what I do. And I see somebody walking my way. And my first thought is, do they have earphones in? Because if they have earphones in, then it's a silent greeting. 
and then I have to decide if the head goes up or if the head goes down. And that takes me a half a block to know which one it goes. Half a block at least. And in that half a block, I'm making eye contact in a semi-creepy way, just hoping for the acknowledgement so that at the correct time, I go up or down and guess the correct way. And if there are no earphones, then you have to decide what the greeting is. Good morning. Hey. How are you? What is it, right? Somebody greeted me, I thought, and I was all excited, and they said, no, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to that guy. I was like, you're totally messing up my morning. I was giving assent to the dignity of God in you, and you just totally didn't see me. But all of this is the process, and I think I'm doing okay. Like, I see someone, okay, this is getting more natural. Huh? And I can do it, and I can greet people. And then you hang out with a friend like Miss Diana, and it's just all thrown off, I'll tell you. So she came to my house one day, and we're talking on the sidewalk, and someone walks by, and I give them the head nod, and she blocks them. Hey, how you doing? I hope your day is awesome. The Lord loves you. And like, oh, my goodness, that's what I need to do. If that person dare be playing music, she's going to be like, oh, yeah. And it threw off my world. I thought I was just looking for earbuds and nodding. Now my whole body has to move. But that is ascent. And then after ascent comes faith. So there is knowledge. Jesus is Lord. Okay, that's what scripture says. There's ascent. Okay, I see. I see that that could be true. And then there's faith when you live into that reality. When you're not just nodding to the idea or grunting to the idea that he's Lord, but you're living in the reality that he's Lord. Does that make some sense? Here's a definition of faith I want to give you. Faith is belief in God's words, trust in his son, Jesus Christ, and faithfulness in living out his commands. The totality of faith is that. It's not just knowing these things. It's not just head nodding in assent. But it's putting belief and trust into this, and it is a life work. Having faith is a life work. So we're going to look at three different spots in Peter's life, and, and hopefully this will be encouraging to us. We're going to start at the, the call of Peter in Luke 5. Go ahead and open there if you've got a Bible or a device. It's on the screen. This is the longest chunk we'll look at, but the, the first 11 verses go like this. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake, of Gensaret, that's what I'm going to call it, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. It means they were done fishing. He got into some of the boats and one uh, got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he, was, he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they'd taken in. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This passage is incredibly incredible. They're done fishing. And just to be polite, Simon, and, and note when he's called Simon and when he's called Simon Peter. It's very interesting when that comes about. But Simon pushes out from the water. Sure, I'm done with the day. I'm kind of tired, but you're a rabbi. Sure, I'll push out. And then this rabbi says, put your net in. He's got to be like, you've you got to be kidding me. I just cleaned my net. But okay, if he says so, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. Puts his net in and catches so many fish that two boats are ready to sink. That's a lot of fish. Like, they know how to build boats. They're not me. And two boats are about to fish, or to, to sink because of all the fish. And, and so Jesus calls Simon Peter to follow him, and he leaves everything for faith. If that rabbi, if that man can bring up that, that catch, which is supernatural, I'm, I'm following him with my life. And maybe you've had a moment like this. This is this faith in, in what I would say is a big, unshaped Jesus. You don't know all that you're following. You just know that's remarkable. Whatever Jesus just did is incredible. I have faith in that guy. I don't even know what that guy really means, but I have faith, and I'm going to leave everything and go follow. I had one of those moments. Some of us, faith sneaks in over time, or faith is given to us kind of generationally, and we, we make it our own over time. But I had one of those moments where I walked into the day thinking basketball was the greatest thing in the world. Somebody prayed with me, and I was like, who is this Jesus? I'd heard of Jesus my entire life, but this giant, unshaped Jesus that, that this person just prayed to, talked about, I, I have faith in that guy, and I'm going to go figure out what all that means. And for each one of us, that, that invitation to faith feels different, but for me, what it felt like is it, it felt a little bit like something that my grandma used to say. My grandmother Whenever somebody would call her, she would say, well, the coffee's on. That's what she greeted everything with. Grandma, I, I'm, I'm in trouble. I'm going to come see you. Well, the coffee's on. That means there's space for you. Come sit at my table. That's what she meant by it. Well, Grandma, I'm... I, I, I'm, I'm coming by, and it's, it's 7 at night, and I'm just driving past your place. Well, the coffee's on. Why is the coffee on? I don't know. The coffee's on. Half the time, I don't know that it was actually on. She was, like, fumbling as she, as she was on the phone putting the coffee on. But that was a sign to all, like, there was, like, 90-some of us. All of us had access to Grandma. We called her on her landline because that's when it was. 
And she took that long old cord into the kitchen and put that coffee on, and that was a sign that you belonged, that you were there. And I remember I was so lonely when I came to faith that it felt like God was another person besides my grandma where I just knew the coffee's on. I can go there. And if the God who made all of this is one that says the coffee's on and you can come, I'm in. I don't know what it means. I didn't know what all Jesus meant, but I have faith in you. If you've made everything, if you are all-powerful and you say that I have access to you, I'm in. And at 14, I was in. I was in in this... I didn't even know all that I was in for. I didn't even know what Jesus meant. And actually, if you're like me, your faith included a whole ton of equations. And this is where we were talking earlier about the Greco-Roman world and how they had, uh, they had sacrifice they had to do and all of these rituals they had to do. Often, when we come to faith at the very beginning, our faith has a bunch of equations. Let me show you maybe... Maybe I'm the only one who's, who's this broken, but we'll see. So I thought, faith, we're going to just pretend you can read what I'm writing. <laughs> we'll just pretend. Faith plus good behavior. Would equal God likes Matt. Any of you ever have anything like that? I thought if I behave well and I have faith in Jesus, he's going to like me. And if he likes me and that coffee's on, I'm good for life. And then I realized that was kind of an immature little equation. My dad corrected me and my church corrected me that it was faith plus good behavior plus money to God equals God likes Matt. And as long as I gave money to God and I behaved well and I had faith, then I was good. And God would like me. And if I did those things, he'd like me. And as soon as my behavior was not good, well, that means he doesn't like me. And as soon as I forget to give him money because, well, I spent it on everything else, that meant God didn't like me. And those moments where my faith was like, that means he doesn't like me in that equation. And when I was first a Christian till way too long, that's what my faith looked like. There were other ones that I lived by. I don't know if you did, but I had, if I have faith, plus I pray a lot, that equals God gives me what I want, which is just a smiley face. If I pray enough about it, and you could even twist scripture to, to affirm this. If I pray enough and I have faith as I pray, I remember I tried to like sweat blood. It's not very easy to try to do that. But there were a couple times that I tried and I was like praying and holding my breath at the same time, thinking that if I hurt myself, maybe that would mean like that was extra faith. That's extra silly. But I thought maybe if I'm hurt as I pray, that's really good. So I prayed a lot. I don't know how much I was actually praying. I was just really grunting, plus faith. I thought that meant that I would get what I want. And they weren't really, I mean, they were selfish, but it wasn't like I was asking for a, you know, some 
super silly thing. I was asking for real desires in my heart. I had another one. Let me, let me see if this one, it all works for you. I had faith. Plus, be nice. Plus, pray. Plus, money to God. Plus, morals. If you can work that advanced equation out, then you get an easy life. And troubles will avoid you. And if you have trouble, it's because you either don't have faith, you're not nice, you don't pray, you don't give money, or you're not moral. And any time life didn't feel easy, I went and worked on one of those variables. Because I thought that this is what that big, undefined Jesus that I had faith in looked like. What this is, honestly, is, is leftovers, is remnants of first century Greco-Roman belief married to uh, the early church's belief where we've got to perform and, and have faith and all this kind of stuff. And sadly, the church benefits if we live all locked up. Because a lot of churches like this, because that means I get to control your morality and I get your money. And so sadly, we, we aren't very honest about that this is not faith. That is impossible. That's what that is. That's impossible. But something happens in us when our faith is in that and then we realize that those equations don't work. Have you ever been there? Those equations that you picked up as faith, you find out that they don't work at all. Now, the truth is, God does like Matt. And I struggle with that every single day. Because I feel like I can't uphold my end of the equation. But he just likes me. And the truth is, the coffee is on. But what do we do with that? And what do we do in those moments when, when it's painful? Because it's painful when those equations are wiped away. It's painful when all of this leaves and the access to the easy life leaves, even though it's fake, and the access to getting what you want leaves. And you're left with the reality that he likes you and you're to live by faith and that's it. And that you're to live by faith in the fact that he is God and that he likes you. Well, what do we do there? We see this in, in Peter's life again. There's this really difficult teaching in John 6 that Jesus gives to all of his followers. At the time, there's the disciples and others who believe. And then there's people who are just following because it's cool. There's like fascinating stuff going around. Everywhere that Jesus went, there was a carnival. There's people getting healed. There's like people getting fed. There's just massive stuff going on around him. And so some of the crowd just followed because it was interesting. And if you read John 6, Jesus gives this extremely difficult teaching. And he gives it because he's trying to, if you don't believe, you're not going to keep following after that one. He gives this teaching 
Because if you're just there for, the, for like to see miracles and to get a free meal, and then you hear that he says, well, you've got to eat of my body and drink of my blood, they're going to be like, whoa, I'm not a cannibal. I didn't sign up for this, and they're out. And so everyone who just is interested in the, in the side things of Jesus, they leave. And yet for everyone who believes, Jesus erases all their equations. He erases that, that they're going to have this earthly kingdom with him as the king. He erases the idea that they are going to be like, like royalty in the next couple months, that they're going to kick out Rome. He, he erases all of this. And we read it just how we read it. But if you're in real time, if you're Peter, that is painful. The equations he lived by, Jesus just erased. And this, this interaction that he has, and let's pick up in John 6, verse 66. Because of this teaching, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went around with Jesus. And so Jesus asked the 12, do you also wish to go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. You ever been there? I mean, not that exact spot, but you ever been in a situation like that? I have. I've felt... God's freedom to even walk away like there is here. I felt God saying, are, are you done? Are you going to continue following me? I don't, I don't live with this like bondage to, to Christ so much as like he just pulls me around and submitted. That's different. And he says to Peter, are, are you going to leave? Is this your exit ramp? And Peter, real honestly, I don't think this is a happy statement. Sometimes we read it like, to whom else should we go? I think this is like a defeated a little bit. But it's also like the most honest statement. As I look at my life, where else am I going to go? And if you've ever been in that spot, you know you say it that way. But then you also realize a couple seconds later, well, where else would I go? Okay. Where else would I go? You're, you're the one who has words of eternal life. Okay, you're the one who has words of eternal life. So, if you've ever been to this point of faith, you know that the coffee's still on. You know that God loves you more than you even realize, and yet you feel like everything that you've held on to it's probably broken, it's probably shattered, was probably incomplete, and you feel very not whole, right? If you've ever been in that spot, you feel torn to pieces. But God meets you there. And I want you to know if you're in a spot today where you feel like life has torn you to pieces, God will meet you this morning in real time. If you feel like you're in a space where God has erased every equation that you have leaned on 
and faith feels completely vulnerable and you feel like you are out on an edge and you feel like you're not seeing the results of faith that you assumed that life would have for you, I want you to know that God will meet you in that space. And something that I am learning in real time is when faith loses its equation. When your faith loses its equations. And when we realize that we are not whole, that's where God does his best work. I don't mean this as some theoretical, read it in a book, hope it gives you some feelings. I mean this is like real practical, this is my week and this is your week too. If you're in a space where you realize old equations of faith that you once held that propped up your belief beyond just faith alone, but it was faith plus anything, and that's being stripped away from you, and you realize that you are not whole, well, I want you to know this is where God does God's best work. And when our faith is in God, we can follow him to unexpected places. And through this, we're transformed. And through this, we're made whole. And through this, he can mold us and shape us into what it is that he desires to make us into. And through this moment where it's faith and faith alone, we become who we've always been meant to be. These moments are painful. I know that. More important, God knows that. But it's how you become who you've always been meant to be, which is apparently an odd-shaped ball. <laughs> you see, it's not through perfect behavior, but through faith in him and who he is that you are transformed into who it is that you are. And so let's look at this in Peter's life, because this happens to Peter. So Peter had an equation, if I have my pen. His equation was if you are a Jew and you have faith in Jesus, then you're a follower. It was a pretty simple equation. He didn't have all these performance things in there like I have. He didn't have these rules on prayer. He didn't have all of these things. He just had, if you're a Jew and if you aren't born a Jew, then you become a Jew. And then you have faith in Jesus. Then you're a follower of Jesus. You're one of Jesus' people. And then, and then he had this equation that in being a follower, that you have new life. That life is brand new. And that Holy Spirit of Pentecost is, is the God who lives within you. And all of that is reality for you. And then Peter meets this person named Cornelius. And he goes into Cornelius' house. And he goes in there kind of uppity. And he goes in there judging Cornelius and reminding Cornelius how benevolent he is to be there in his presence and how he shouldn't even be there, but hey, yo, I'm Peter and all that kind of stuff, right? 
And he goes and he explains the good news. And before he's even finished, we pick up in verse 44 of chapter 10 of Acts. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter said, can anyone withhold the waters from baptizing these people who have been received who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus, and they invited them to stay for several days, and it was there that Peter stayed. It was there that he was transformed for. It was there that he was molded for. It was there that his equation changed It was just faith equals follower. Faith equals new life. That's it. All these other conditions, all these other rules, all this other stuff, though we somehow draw some comfort from it, it's not that. It's faith alone. Brings new life. That's Peter's journey. In some ways, that's my journey. And I know quite a few of you, in some ways, that's your journey. And that's what God is doing within us. And so I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this. Maybe you find yourself in in one of these three places. Maybe you find yourself not yet realizing that the coffee's on for you, that there's access, that God says, hey, I made everything and I want you with me. And so that initial step of faith, that initial belief in that really un, uh, undefined Jesus, maybe that's the step of faith that is there for you today. And if it is, in a second, we're going to have some people who would love to pray with you. We would love to celebrate with you. When you're ready, we'd love to baptize you in the name of Jesus and celebrate that that faith and that faith alone is all that you need. But I know some of you. And when you look back, you have a long story with God. You have a story of that faith, but you're living at the stage of your equations being erased. And it's simple to do on a whiteboard, but it's painful to do in real life. You're at the space of realizing that you're not whole and being poured out and not sure why you're being poured out. And you live with that ache and that vulnerability that if this equation is not what's being asked of me or not being promised of God, then I I don't know what to do when you feel vulnerable and your faith is being refined in this moment. And if that's you, we want to pray with you too. That you'd continue to have courage. That you'd continue to have wisdom. That you'd notice God's grace for you in the middle of it. And then there's some of you that your faith is being redefined. You've you've been poured out and you're discovering that you're whole again and you're taking shape and you're being brought into new spaces and your faith means new things and it's stretching and it's a different kind of painful, but faith is required and it is all that's required. And so we want to pray with you that your faith would make room for many. That your faith would be fortified. That this might be a place that sure knows some things about God and gives assent to some things about God. But this might be a place where 
we have faith and faith alone that God, God's all we need. And that we might live that out beside one another. And on the day where your faith is weak, that you might lean in mine, like Angel said so often. And on the day that my faith is weak, that I might be able to lean on yours. And we might live this thing out where the foundation of this church and the foundation of our life is not on our good works and our all of this stuff, but it is on faith and faith alone. And so then we go do everything in the name of Christ, not because we've got to or put it into our equation, but because why wouldn't we? If that's all that matters, then I'm in. And there's no guarantee this is going to be easy. There's no guarantee of, well, he is going to like you. I know that. But there's no guarantee on the other end, except that God will be God and God is good. And I've been at this like 26 years. That's, that's about all I need. Some days I'd like some more, but there's grace for me on those days. There's grace for you as well. So I want to invite everybody to stand. There's a couple of people who are going to come forward and go back to pray. But I want to pray over all of us. And as I do that, I want to encourage you to uh, see somebody for prayer. If Josh was in the back, we've got Jamel. Uh, I, I can step over here if nobody else does. But we, we want to pray with you. Not that something magic happens because of our words, but because God says when several people gather together and pray in his name that by faith he brings things about. So Miss Angel's over here. So I want to encourage you, pray with somebody. We'll sing this song in closing. And I, I, I've been praying that we might be marked by this this week, that we might live into faith at a deeper level. So let me pray for us right now.